You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I feel like we wanted to run this until we get it about the lost. I feel like even if we have to stay here until we actually get it and we actually activate it and we're all doing it. We're all doing it in the way God's called us to do it. We're not all the same. We're all different. But God wants to activate us in reaching people that don't know His love. We have a gospel. We have a good news to tell people. It doesn't sound bad. It's not bad news. It's good news that God sent His Son to take the, to take the penalty for our sins. God sent His perfect Son, lived a perfect life, and He took the blame, the punishment, the judgment, and consumed our penalty on the cross for free. And He gives us salvation and forgiveness and relationship and righteousness. And heaven forever, that's a free gift and that's good news. The world needs to hear it like that. They need to hear that we've got the best news possible. Yes, people are dying. They're actually dying of a terminal disease and we've got the antidote in our home and we just go drink it and it, when we need it, but we don't share it. We have to share it. It's our responsibility to share it. So please, I'm not trying to come across hard. I'm just, I've got to try to preach the reality of what we carry. And we need to carry it. And I'm, I'm speaking on six effective approaches to reaching the lost. Six effective approaches. And, and a lot of times we will, we will um, intertwine between all of them. So you might use two or three of them. You know, so you might go, I, I really lean towards that approach. I think that's my personality. That's my strength. But you will do others at times. So don't think that just I'm, I'm, I'm that category and that's all. And I can never do that category. And I'll talk, I'll talk about what that means. But, you know, you know what Jesus did. We, you know, he, the whole purpose of his life was to seek and save the lost. We know that. The Father, he has a Father has sent me to seek and save the lost. He gave us a mission. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he finally died on the cross, was buried for three days and three nights, and was suffering for the sin of humanity, and then the Holy Spirit raised him from hell and resurrected his spirit. And as he's resurrected with the glory of God, he goes back into his body, raises his body from the dead, and now he's resurrected man, defeated sin and death for humanity. And, the, and then at that point, he's about to go to heaven. He's going to leave planet Earth, and he's going to leave the mission to the church, to his body. That's us. And what does he say? Go into the whole world. Go to every ethnos, ethnos, ethnos is in the Greek. We get our word ethnicity or no? ethnicity. Thank you very much for correcting my English. But we get our word, that word, from ethnos in the Greek. Everything starts in the Greek. Everybody has this root meaning in the Greek. All you Greeks out there. But ethnos is, ethnos, is, is ethnicity groups. All different nations go into all the world, Jesus says, and preach this gospel to every creature is old English, but every person, every person. Why? Because every person has to hear it. And it's good news. And we carry it. So, so it's God's mission to us. We've got to remind ourselves, I'm going to stay there for a little moment just to think about this is why we exist as a church. Yes, we get blessed. Yes, we get touched. Yes, we get loved by God and loved by one another and everything. But we've got a mission to tell the world. Amen? And so these are six effective approaches in reaching the lost, okay? First approach is the confrontational approach. 
Not everyone's good at this. Not everyone's strong at this point. The, the, the confrontational approach to sharing the gospel. In every approach, you have to share the gospel or you're not using an effective approach. Okay? But the first one is confrontational. You don't just confront for the sake of confront. You're not just confronting sin and, you know, telling them to go to hell. You're confronting with the gospel, the good news. The good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Make sure they walk away, have heard that Jesus, have heard the name Jesus, they've heard the, the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus and what he's done for us and that we preaching Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. You look at the book of Acts, they preach Jesus everywhere and they preach Jesus resurrected from the dead and he's the one that's gonna, that was judged for our sins but he's the one that comes back to judge us of our sins. So the confrontational approach is found in Acts 2. We won't go through all the scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures which will never make it. But Acts chapter 2 verse 14, it starts where Peter stands up. Remember the 120 were praying in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit because Jesus says, wait until you've been endured with power from on high. They were praying there for 10 days. They were living in the upper room. It says they abode there. They were hanging out together, living together, praying together. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, Jesus died on the cross. The day of Pentecost is the first fruits of the harvest. The Holy Spirit came in that moment, the day of Pentecost. And as the Holy Spirit fell on them, they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in heavenly languages. 120 of them was quite loud. It's the feast of, um, of the first fruits. So there's thousands upon thousands of people from all the different nations in Jerusalem worshipping the feasts. And so they heard the noise. And they all came. Thousands of them heard. They all came. What's happening? What's happening? Peter stands up and he confronts. That's, he preaches and proclaims. And he pretty much says, you guys know that Jesus was approved by God. You saw him do miracles. He did miracles. God approved him. But you crucified him. And that's pretty confrontational if you've ever heard it. These are the guys that said crucify him, crucify him. These are the same Jews that saw Jesus heal the sick. And, and Peter is really proclaiming and saying, you guys crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. It was God's plan. And he's going to be the one that judges. And he's like, just proclaiming and, and, and basically confronting with the gospel. It's an awesome approach. Not everyone's good at that. Not, you might think, well, that's not my approach. It's only one of the approaches. But I think when I think of the, the, direct, the, the, the confrontational approach, it's really direct. It's just being direct, getting to the point. You know, like, Getting to the point and just bringing, you might ask the question like, um, so have you ever thought of life after death? Have you ever thought of what's going to happen when we die? Or do you know where you're going to go after you die? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Just uh, pretty potent questions, aren't they? But you won't ask that with, to everybody. But sometimes you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit because you've had relationship, you've built friendship, you've built trust, and that's the type of question you want to direct so that you can talk about the real issues of life. And it's, it's things like, um, you know, when you're in the streets, you can say, hey, Jesus loves you. It's just a, a statement to bring up Jesus. And all of a sudden, you put yourself out there. You're a believer, and they know about it. And then you can be sensitive to where they're at. I'm just, some of us love this. Some of us are good at this. Not everyone's good at this. But, you, can, you know, you're out in the streets, and you see someone limping, and you say, excuse me, look, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I've actually seen people get healed. Would you mind if I pray for your, your ankle? That's direct, isn't it? That's straight out bringing the... You're, you're direct in your approach. And then from praying for them and getting them healed, you bring up Jesus and explain Jesus to them. That's a direct approach. Not everyone's good at that. But I, rem I remember, as I was worshipping, I was remembering my brother Tony. If you knew my brother Tony before he became a Christian, he's my older brother, two years older to me. He used to be 
pretty in a bad scene to the point where I thought, wow, he's getting really in the bad scene. I've started not looking up to him as much and being my own friends. I was scared because stuff he got into, he got into drugs, drug dealing and all, this, all, all, all sorts of stuff that gone, goes with that. But one time he was at Burwood Park with his mates smoking dope, marijuana. Wow. All hanging out, thinking they're cool. Not just thinking they're cool, acting tough. And some of them were quite tough. He had some pretty scary guys with him. I remember this is one humble Christian dude from Peter Shemay OG. His name is Robert. I remember him. He's a beautiful guy. And he, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He said, go up to those bunch of guys who was at Bell Park in the middle of the night who are smoking dope and preach to him about Jesus. So he did. He goes up to him and tells them about Jesus. And Tony and Taz both were like, like the Lord opened their hearts to him and they were intrigued. Maybe they were out of it. They go, wow, this is cool, man. Wow. And they just started thinking about it. Wow. And, and they, he got his, their attention. And, and time and time again, he would talk to him in Burwood, and it's Tony and Taz who got saved. Yeah. Now, he didn't, they planted a seed. It was a confrontational approach. Sometimes you just got to get up and approach them. Like, I would love to, so I'm just throwing this out there, but I, I think, I think um, the, the confrontational approach is um, you can use surveys. You can just get a survey. And they're like, excuse me, look, we're doing some questions here in the streets. And you can have a camera. People love to talk in front of the camera. I'm telling you, they love it. See a camera? Oh, yeah. And they want to talk. And so you just ask them questions. Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in you know, hell? Do you be- just questions. Just see what the world's thinking. And from there, you've got a platform to share Jesus. It's, it's that direct approach. Some are great at it. Some love this. Some, some right now think, get me out there. I want to do that. You know, it's treasure hunting. It's getting together. It's our activation days for the School of Supernatural and for our church. It's open to everyone where we get together and we pray and seek God. And God gives us a picture, a word of knowledge, a a picture of someone wearing a red jacket with a yellow umbrella with pink shoes. And then you look for them and then you find them because God gave you a word. It's hunting for God's treasures. That's a direct approach. We need more of that happening. I, I would love to see a crew like a group of our church, a group from our church that's just wanting to do that all the time. That's getting together just weekly even on a Saturday and just going out and looking for treasure and just going out on purpose. To me, when I think of confrontation, it's not, it's not justice, but this is a part of it because if you're gifted, you'd, you'd be happy to do it and want to do it. But when you get together and you just go out and we're going out for the sole purpose of reaching people for Jesus. And obviously you do this in life, don't you? You do this all the time. It's, it's just that sort of um, confrontational approach. You, you, while you're having dinner, having, having coffee, a coffee lounge and having breakfast out and about or s- shopping or working, just you just do this, always looking for that open door. Now, we, just the other day, we're having uh, lunch with Tony and Heidi and Christine starts to ask questions and Heidi asks questions to the lady that was serving us, young lady, and says, oh, wh- wh- you know, where are you from? She's looked a bit coloured and, oh, my dad's from Ghana, my mum's from Aussie and, and it started to talk and talk as we kept talking and all it was is question after question after question and she starts to open up more and more and more and then Christine says you should come to church you should come to our church you go to church first she said do you go to church yeah I used to when I was a kid the whole conversation and eventually she, we said we've got four kids and a girl we always say that but <laughs> gets people's attention but then and then we, and she goes oh and we somehow talked about Ethan and she goes oh is that Ethan Nicotra and, and he goes, yeah, he says, I've been to your party. She was in our backyard in Ethan's 18th birthday party. And little did we know she worked with Ethan at Hoyt. So, it's, you know, you just, it's just relational. It's confrontational. It's, it's putting yourself out there. It's taking risks. And um, 
It's praying for the sick out in the streets. It's seeing the power of God flow out in the streets, out in lifestyle, normal, everyday life. That's an awesome confrontational way. Now, you can do confrontational direct approach with friendship and relationship. You can. You need both. You need to intermingle. But the next one, really quickly, is the intellectual approach. Some people need an intellectual presentation of the gospel. Because they, they, they're, they're very intellectual type of people. They want, question, they, want, they want their questions answered. And so you need, some people need to know how to approach the Word of God and the gospel apologetically. The word apologetically is, used to be meaning, when we use the word apologetics, we think as apology. I'm so sorry for what I've done. But in the, back in the day, when the apologetic word was when a defense, when a lawyer presents his defense for a case. So to be apologetic for your faith was to bring a case for your faith in Christ. And because there was a lot of false teaching in those days, they had apologetics. This is what we believe. This is why our faith in Christ is sound and real. And it's not just some you know, spooky spiritual faith and blind faith. It's real faith based on truth. And we need to know how to present. Some people need the gospel presented that way. So this one's found, we won't turn to it, but it's found in Acts 17, verse 22, right through the 32. Paul reasons with the Greeks in Athens. And he starts to literally present a gospel. He reasons with them and he says, like, I've walked around your places of worship and I've even saw an altar to an unknown God. Well, that unknown God you don't know about, I'm telling you about him. So he's reasoning intellectually. I'm going to tell you who this unknown God is. He's even got a description to this unknown God. And then he starts saying, even like one of your prophets, I mean, poets have said that we are God's offspring. So he quotes them. So he's bringing an intellectual gospel. He's, he's really trying to persuade them intellectually. But he brings the gospel in really, really well. He, he brings in Christ. He doesn't just have an intellectual discussion. He actually brings Jesus dying for our sins paid the price he's going to judge humanity and talks about his resurrection and when they heard about the resurrection this is really interesting stuff we want to hear about this and it just got the discussion going so we've got something so powerful it's a secret from god the world needs to hear but they won't know the secret that's inside of us unless we speak about it, unless we discuss it unless we bring it out into the open so many people are intrigued so many people are interested so many people are hungry so many people are thirsting for what we have we just got to believe that they're out there. They are out there. We've got testimony after testimony after testimony for the last 20-something years, 27 years, of people being saved by the power of the gospel. Amen. Intellectual, we need to present. And I can go on, but sometimes you might come across a person that you know that, that they're very intellectually inclined, and there are some powerful books that you could buy and purchase and give it to them. Especially you build relationship, you build friendship, and you, you're connecting with them. They've got trust. Buy the, the, the right appropriate books apologetically that pr- produce, pr- brings Christ into it. And, and say, hey, read this and say, tell me what you think about that. Jesus as the carpenter, I think one of the, one of the powerful ones, um, I forget his name, but it it's just represents the Messiah. It talks about the Messiah and all the prophecies and, and how the Messiah, it, it couldn't be anyone else but Jesus. Like, and all this sort of stuff. And just reasoning out if he was resurrected. I mean, if he wasn't resurrected, where was his body? If he didn't resurrect, the enemies would have found his body. Just find the body and stop this nonsense. Tell them, this is Jesus' body. Why are you preaching that he's resurrected? Here he is. They couldn't find the body because his body wasn't around. You're telling me they couldn't find it? They, they could have found it if he was around, but he was in heaven, resurrected. And so you can go on and on. Well, the, well, the disciples you know, stole the body. Well, yeah, they could have, but they gave their life for this gospel. They preached the gospel, got rejected, 
got burnt, got crucified. They, they preached this. They did miracles. They signs and wonders. I mean, that's really out of the question when you rationally think about that. Could the disciples have stolen and made it all up? Not with the way they believed it. Not with the fruit that was out of it. Anyways, but we need to present an intellectual gospel. Number three, this is a testimonial, testimonial approach to sharing the gospel. It's found in John 9, and this is the blind man getting healed, and they were all theorizing about this. Jesus, who is this? Jesus, Jesus. I mean, if Jesus is, is the Messiah, is the Messiah, is he not the Messiah? How could he do this miracle if he's a sinner? Sinners can't do this sort of miracles. And they're just arguing about it. All the Pharisees, all upset that he healed this guy on the Sabbath. And he goes, look, I don't know about this Jesus, but what I do know, he goes, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, is what the blind man says. What I do know is I was blind, and now I can see. It's like, argue with that, thank you very much. <laughs> I love the testimony approach because you can't argue with a testimony. It's like, I don't know about this and that and all these questions. And look, look, I just know that I was lost. Now I'm found. I didn't have peace. Now I've got peace. I was afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death anymore. I see the security in you. Look, I don't know about all that, but I, I had no purpose in life. Now I've got purpose. Now, I didn't have love and, you know, and, and, and acceptance and all that. I was looking for it everywhere. But now I've got love. I've got love from God. So I can't argue with a testimony. You all have a powerful testimony. What I believe with all my heart, what the devil tries to do is try to lie to you and I and try to make us think we don't have a powerful testimony, that we don't have a, a, a story to tell. You have a story to tell. Your story is powerful. Your story, someone has to hear your story doesn't matter how you came to Christ. I'm telling you, someone needs to hear how you came to Christ. And it's a powerful testimony. Because we sometimes elevate wrongly. We're changing. The church is getting more and more and more mature. We're all growing up. But once upon a time, we would elevate anyone that got radically saved from a drug life. Like he was a mafia guy. He used to put people into acid baths. And, oh, I want to listen to him, man. Wow, that was powerful. How did God get him out of the mafia world? True, it is a powerful testimony. Absolutely true. But you know what? Someone coming, growing up in Christ, in church, all the days of their life, and saying, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was five years old, and I ever, never looked back, and I, and I followed Jesus all the days of my life. That's a powerful testimony too. We need to hear more of those testimonies. There's a lot of people in church that need to hear that power, the staying power of Christ. That they never had to go into the world and look at the world and play with the sin of the world. They just love Jesus so much. They're full of joy and acceptance. I need to hear that testimony. People out there need to hear that testimony. Other people's testimony is, I had a lot of questions and I was coming to church week in, week out for about two or three years. And then I, I finally got all my questions answered and I saw people's love and acceptance. And I gave my life after two or three years of going to church. That is a powerful, awesome testimony. People need to hear that too. So in other words, I came to Christ little by little. There are a lot of people out there that come into Christ little by little. There's a lot of people in this room that would have come to Christ little by little. And they need to hear how you came to Christ honestly. Your story is a powerful story. Your story is so powerful, the enemy wants to shut you up. Do you know that? Listen to this. When your story truly becomes his story, then you shape history with his story. You shape history with his story. When your story becomes his story, in other words, you submit your life to him and he, he's anointed your life and it's his story, then you shape history with his story. It's his story through your life. You have a powerful story. Please believe you do. And you share it relationally. 
you share it. It's so easy to share it to people that trust you and you befriended them and love them and you just share, this is my, this is my experience. And tell them the gospel in telling your story. Start with your story, but always tell why your story is your story because you got into his story, which is the gospel. And it's the gospel, his good news, what he did for you on the cross is what's forgiven you of all your sins. Why you have peace. This is why I've changed. This is why I had no purpose. Now I have purpose. This is my story. And tell your story. Man, the enemy wants to keep you quiet. Wants to keep me quiet. The enemy has kept us quiet long enough. We've got to get angry. You go, no, and, and righteous anger, hey? Righteous anger. Now, I'm not going to keep silent. Don't want the devil to mute the church. This beautiful bride who's got something beautiful to say. And God is raising up the beautiful bride from its sleep and raising up to do great exploits for him. They that know their God will do great exploits, Daniel says, the book of Daniel. So the, the, the testimonial approach is a powerful approach. We can all do this. Relationally, you know something. You know, something. How's, how's 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 your weekend? Yeah, good, fine. Or you could have said, "Man, I went to church and it was happening." Just see what happened. People got healed. You know, I saw this person that had sickness and he got healed. Or I got touched. I got healed. I felt God's presence. I went to church. What? And just tell them the truth. Just tell them what's real. Your story. Amen. Sometimes we see things in God's kingdom we take for granted. You know, we actually just take for granted. But the people out there. They want to see and hear what you have supernaturally. I mean, come on. We've seen Joshua Mills twice. Joshua Mills coming. Last time he was here, he's coming and has no gold dust on him at all. And as he's speaking, gold dust just comes all over him. How do you do that? You don't. It's God. God does signs to make you wonder. But the world wants to see it. They're actually hungry for it. They're more hungry for the supernatural than the church is right now. That's why they go to all the different things that they go to to get... Trying to tap into the supernatural. But we've got the real. They've got the counterfeit, I'm sorry to say, but we've actually got the real. God's presence. Wow. Testimonial is powerful. I wish I could speak about that more, but maybe in the next coming weeks we'll talk about how to share your testimony and how to present the gospel so that we're all fully equipped on how to do that. Number four is relational approach. Some of us love this approach and are really good at this. And I, I love relational approach. I'm good at relational approach, but to sharing the gospel though. This is called friendship approach, another way of saying friendship approach. It's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 29, where Levi, the tax collector, was at his booth. And Jesus passes by and says, hey, Levi, come and follow me. The Bible says Levi left everything, which is a lot of income and money. He left his job and followed Jesus. And then the Bible says he chucked a, mass, a, 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 a big feast another way of saying he chucked a big dinner party right and he invited all his tax collecting friends and many others it says many tax collectors came and many others it was packed what was he doing he's using his influence as a friend he says look i was impacted jesus impacted me you guys got to listen to this guy to talk you gotta listen to just jesus i think he's the messiah and he puts on a big feast it's so easy to put on a big feast people will come you hear what i'm saying you've got a heart to reach the lost put on a feast invite your friends build a relationship with them Build friendship with them. Have people over for dinner. This approach is having people over for lunch, having people over for a barbecue or dinner, going out for coffee, going out for dinner. Just build relationship. Get to know them. Enter their world. Let them enter your world. Become a genuine friend for the sake of being a friend. Even if they never come to Christ, you still love them and value them as a person. Amen? Obviously, our heart and motive is that they'll know Christ. 
But even if they don't for years and years, you don't go, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. It's not about that. It's about loving them genuinely. Amen. Cornelius did too. I mean, he's praying regularly all the time. He's an Italian soldier in charge of a hundred men and he's seeking God three o'clock in the afternoon, every afternoon pretty much. And he sees an angel. Angel comes and he says, you've got to go to such and such place, this address, and go call for Peter, Simon the Tanner, Peter. And he'll tell you the words you have to hear to be saved. So he invites all his friends and family at his house. See, he got impacted. Now he's invited his friends and family to hear Peter speak the gospel. But they had to hear the gospel. But it's all relational. Friendship. Invited their family. And it was packed in his house. I think he would have had a big mansion. Very well paid person. And he would have had a big house. And that was full of people. And as Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Relational approach is an awesome approach that a lot of us are good at. So I'm encouraging us, use your relational approach, your friendship approach. Number five is the invitational approach to sharing the gospel. This is found in the gospel of John. Chapter four is the woman of the Samaritan woman. When she's at the well and Jesus went to the well to get, I love Jesus' approach, man. He just asked this powerful question. Can you give me something to drink? It's a very natural question, but he connects it, starts conversation and and, and sort of flips it to spiritual. He does it on purpose. But is this way to, you know, invitational, relational, sharing the gospel? If I can encourage you, just be friendly. Just have a smile. Greet people. Say hi. How's it going? Be friendly. Approach people. Easiest way to connect. You've got to start a a relationship. You've got to start a friendship or you've got to start contact. Say hi. How's it going? You know, worst thing when you sit in an airplane, you sit down and you don't say anything at the beginning. Because after 10, 15 minutes of being together and he's there and you're there and 20 minutes later you go, oh, hi, how are you? Like, say it at the beginning. Just say, hi, how's it going? Where are you going? You going home or you, 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 you know, you're going to work? Oh, no, I'm actually going home. Oh, me too. And then you've got a conversation going. But just be friendly. Be friendly, smile. That's why my wife's really good at it. She just smiles and tells them their, her life story. <laughs> and then they're one. <laughs> if you know my wife, she's amazing. But, you know, we, we laugh at it, but she's so good at it. She is extremely good at it. And she does it on purpose because she's just she's an open book and she just connects with women and men all around we go. <laughs> nah, that sounded bad. But I'm saying she connects with anyone. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Shush. Shush. <laughs> These guys turn me. All right. Invitational approach. The woman, after she was impacted with Jesus, and she had a, and he starts to say, You've you've had you've had more than one husband, you've had five husbands. <gasps> Just read her mail. She's thinking, this is the Messiah. How did you know I was had five? And the one I'm with, not, I'm not, not married with. She's thinking, I, th- I think, you know, that you're a prophet. Yes, you know, yes. I heard that the Messiah's coming. Yes, the one speaking to you is the Messiah. <gasps> and she's freaking out. The Bible says she left her water pots and took off to the town and go call all the men. I wonder why they would listen to her. She must be a good looking girl because everyone's following her. All the men. Followed her, and she says, come and hear a man that told me everything I ever did. So she didn't preach, but she invited. So this one is, some of us are really good at inviting people to events, to church. Invite them. Now, you might not be comfortable in sharing the whole discourse. I think we should all be equipped and all be trained and all should be able to share your story and the gospel. But some of us are going to be good at inviting people. 
And like, for example, the Billy Graham one. He's going to present the gospel, the best, one of the best presentations of the gospel you'll ever hear. He's one of the greatest preachers of all time and reached the most people of all time, just about. And now he's going to present the gospel and share the cross for 30 minutes. Great incredi- uh, credibility, great integrity, great love. What an opportunity to invite our friends. Come and hear. Come and come to church. We're, go- we're not going to have long worship. We're doing this on purpose. We're going to have a couple of songs, fast songs, and, and, and have some, maybe a song that ministers to the people and have a testimony video about someone coming to Christ and have coffee and tea and all that, connecting with people that don't know Christ. Perfect opportunity to invite them. Invitational. And that's true of any time at church. Anytime we put on an event, sometimes we've got an event that's perfect for that. Easter is perfect to invite. Invite. We're going to have space. We're going to have two services in the morning. So we have so much opportunity to invite people. Amen? Amen. So invitation is a powerful one. Please use it if God has gifted you to do that. Social nights, when you do connect groups and you say, let's go out for dinner, invite your friends. Build relationship, build friendship. Amen? The last one is number six, and that is the service approach. And that was found in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 42. It's the woman Dorcas who died. She didn't die because she was a service, you know, giving. Service is gifts of love. She did service to the community. And when she died and they called, eventually called for Peter, Peter came. They're all weeping and crying. Saying, Look what she's made. She made all these beautiful. She was a seamstress. She sewed things and sewed clothes and probably gave it to the poor. She acts of love. Really, this one is, the, this approach is love approach. You know, that you see a need and you meet it. And in our city, because the city is very wealthy, it's hard to see the, the needs of the poor. But there are poor people around. There are homeless people around. Not, not a lot. In some countries, this need is so prevalent, it's in your face everywhere all the time. You can almost grow accustomed to it, which is not good. But the gift of serving, it connects you to people. You know, uh, we've been to India many, many times, and there's some amazing churches doing amazing things that they'll build little homes for people. And then, not necessarily Christians, they just, their house got burnt down. Sometimes things happen, the houses get burnt down, their huts, and you know, they, they get lit up really quick with the hay and the stuff from the trees. And they build new homes for them. Man, if I don't know Jesus, I'm a Hindu background, and you build me a home for no reason, just out of love, I want to know what you know. I want to know the God you worship. And many get converted that way. Remember, we used to, when we first started out, we'd preach in the streets a lot and King's Cross. And back in the day, I don't know how bad King's Cross is now, but back in those days, it was pretty bad. Strip joints, prostitutes everywhere, drugs everywhere. It was pretty full on in the 80s. And we tried to preach, tried to reach people. No one would stop. And then we, we, the Lord said to me, just f- feed them. Big vegetable pots in, in wintertime, give them soup for free. We gave them food. And one time I had cloves. I had I used to be a designer. I, I brought these cloves. And um, I had it in my back of my van. It was hard to approach the homeless. And I tried to find, and I saw this guy, and two, two guys, one old, one younger. I said, look, I'm, I'm a Christian. I've got some clothes that I want to give away. Do you know anyone that could use some clothes? No, they looked at me strange. It took a while for me to convince them. They finally said, oh, you're all right. And they followed me to my van. I opened up my van. had all this breaking stuff, hip-hop stuff, some pretty cool j- jackets that I designed and other things. Wow, this is cool. This is good for Jack. What about John? Yeah, this would be great. And they taking clothes. After that, you know what they said to me? They go, hey, man. Oh, that's right. I said to them, you guys hungry? And they go, yeah. He goes, do you want some food? I said, well, go to Macca's. I said, yeah, all right. They go, all right. So I'm taking them to Macca's, and they're so humble in the way they order. They don't go, oh, this, this, this is enough. Just this, this is enough. And they go, hey, come to the fountain. Come to meet everybody. Come, 
talk to us. They wanted me to preach to them out well that they all hanged out after that. So I opened door through acts of service. Just let's, let's see the little things. I'll never forget the words of Heidi Baker. When she came to Sydney, she says, what does love look like? She always talks about, because this is what we're talking about. What does love look like? In Sydney, what does love look like when they've got everything? Most people in Sydney, 99% of the people in Sydney have their physical needs met. What does love look like? Looks like time. People are lonely. People need love. And love is spelt with time. So we need to give people time. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we're hungry to see you make an impact. We're hungry to see your gospel, your story becomes our story so we can actually make history, Lord, with your story. Lord, we want to impact our city, we want to impact our world, we want to impact our friends, our neighbors, our, 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 our um, own children, our parents, our brothers and sisters. Lord, use us as your people to use these different approaches to be free to be ourselves but to be free to share the gospel not to be afraid of being ridiculed not to be afraid of being attacked laughed at rejected Father help us you said blessed are we when all men revile you and reject you for my name's sake for great is our reward in heaven Father we thank you release your spirit of faith in our hearts to share your gospel, to change people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, gglife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.